The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. You may recall that we've been considering the question, how big is your God? And we've been looking at that question in light of what's happened in Joseph's life and how Joseph faced it and how God ultimately delivered him. But we're not at the point yet where God has delivered him as we know that he will. So um, I think it's important that we remember that as we go through this portion of the Bible, we see the end, but Joseph didn't. And we need to read these chapters as if we were Joseph, looking at it from his perspective. See, we've got the 30,000 foot view. We can look down upon it and see where he started and where he ends up. Joseph just has the view of what's in front of him. We left Joseph in chapter 39 again in prison in Egypt. And we learned, I hope, through the last couple of messages that, that God is big enough to trust in adversity and in prosperity. Joseph has demonstrated that. But you'll notice that he ends chapter 39 in prison and he begins chapter 40, still in prison. He's stuck in an Egyptian prison. He's far from home. My goodness, how discouraging could that, would that have to be? How discouraged would you and I get if we were in Joseph's situation? Think about it. He was kidnapped from home abused and beaten while in, in shackles. He was taken away hundreds of miles from where he knew and what he grew up being around and the places he, he was familiar with. And his own family was the one that betrayed him and did it. And, and he ends up in an Egyptian prison and then it seems like the tide is turning for Joseph. He gets elevated to a position of great authority within the house of Potiphar and, and, and say, oh boy, smooth sailing. You know, someone told me this one time about myself, and, and I think it's, they were very accurate. And it's probably something you may can identify with. They said, Chris, you like to celebrate, don't you? <laughs> and I thought about that, I do. When things finally start going better, I like to sort of let down my guard and breathe easy for a while. <sighs> we made it, you know? The problem with that approach is, is that most times that feeling of making it doesn't stay very long. <laughs> oh, I reached the mountaintop. Everything's great. Next thing you know, someone's knocked you back down halfway of the mountain. <laughs> and so you got to try to get up and go again. And the person that was telling me that was telling me that to try to help me and, and did help me in a great way because his point was is that you're never going to get it just right in this life. And, and once things start going well, that's often the time you better start being on guard. Because that's what happened to Joseph, as you recall. He got into Potiphar's house and he was, he was doing great. The Lord had been with him, had clearly demonstrated to him that he was with him. And we're told specifically that the Lord was in him and made that which he did to prosper. And then Potiphar's wife starts after him. And you know the rest of that story. Uh, he got him out, left his coat and got him out, but that got him in trouble with his 
boss, his owner, Potiphar, and Potiphar locked him up in the dungeon again. So we're at a point where we had, Joseph has had to learn you trust God in adversity and you trust him in prosperity because adversity is coming again. But now think about where he is. For the second time now, he's back in prison. He's back in bonds. He was pretty much free. He was able to do whatever he wanted. Now he's back in a dungeon. Now here's the question. Is Joseph's God big enough to trust while he is waiting and languishing in a prison? Is he big enough? Is God big enough to overcome the discouragement that Joseph must have felt at this time? What do you do when you're in this situation? How do you handle it? Well, let me also remind you, when I, we ask the question, how big is your God? We're not building a God here. We're just asking the question, how big do we see our God as? Is he big enough in our own minds that we can trust him in all of these situations? God is as big as he is. And he's bigger than anything out there that you could think of, okay? We're not going to change the nature of God by deciding in our minds that he's big enough to trust. But the question is not about whether this is going to help God, but is it going to help you, you see? What do you do when you're in this situation? Well, here's what Joseph did. Maybe this will help us a little bit. Chapter 40, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued a season in war. Notice what Joseph did. Joseph, we're already told in the latter part of chapter 39 that the Lord was with him and showed him mercy and he became the, the, he became the ruler, if you will, over the prison. He became the one that, uh, uh, that was uh, in charge of all the other prisoners. And so what did Joseph do in the midst of this discouragement? Joseph was faithful. Joseph was faithful. It says he could have, you know, he could have had a terrible attitude. Wouldn't you, wouldn't, think about the attitude you and I might have had. I know what attitude I'd have had. I mean, you don't, don't do this, please. Don't ask my wife what happens when I get discouraged. But I can tell you what happens when I get discouraged. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I just knew it was all going to go to pot. I knew this was going to happen. You know, I just, it's, it's just, woe is me, poor pitiful me, you know. Let me just go sit down in my recliner and, and, and kick back and take a nap. You know, sleep it away. It's just not worth, there's, there's nothing that worth doing because it didn't go my way, <laughs> you know. And I'm, I'll tell you, I've never been put in prison. I've never been, uh, I've never been falsely accused like this. It hadn't, you know, I've never been anywhere close to what Joseph, where Joseph is right now. But yet I just give up, you know. That's the way you want to do, right? That's in the flesh what you would want to do. But if you're being faithful and occasionally, let me just say I'm not as I'm not always that bad a person, okay? There are hard times when I have been faithful, and when I have been faithful, it's gone much better for me. And Joseph is faithful, and he says, you know, I'm just going to keep doing my job. Wherever God puts me, I'm going to be diligent in my daily routine. 
I'm going to be diligent in my day-to-day life. You know, that's the crucible where your Christian walk is really formed. It's not in the battlefields of fighting the Goliaths of this world. It's on the, it's on the hillsides taking care of the shepherd or the sheep uh, as a little shepherd boy. That's what happened with David, right? David didn't begin to win the battle in the Valley of Elah that day against Goliath. David had prepared to win. You know, everybody's got the will to win. Everybody wants to win, right? But nobody or few people have the will to prepare to win. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you don't, football players don't take the field uh, on, the, on the, the last uh, Friday night in August or first Friday night in September for the first time, and that's the first time they've ever been out there and held a football. They've been practicing over and over. They've had two-a-days. They've had three-a-days sometimes. They've, they've ran, run, and they've, they've, they've practiced over and over, and, and it wasn't any fun at those days. Nobody's watching. Nobody's praising you when you do well. In fact, my experience in, in football was that the coaches were getting on to us constantly in two-a-days. It was one of the most oppressive times of my life. <laughs> But later on, when we were playing for the state championship, I looked back on it and I was thankful for those times because that's when I was preparing to win, to succeed. That's what happened with David. David didn't go out and haphazardly decide just to, oh, I'm going to leave the sheep and go play over here. I'm going I'm to just halfway do my job because nobody's looking. Oh, I would no way I'd fight that bear or that lion because, uh, you know, daddy wouldn't expect me to do that. But no, he had a job to do and he did it in the small things. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Matthew puts it this way. He talks in, in the parable in chapter, chapter 25 of the, uh, the Lord that left the talents with his servants. And, and two of the servants invested those talents and doubled them for the Lord, okay? And you know the other one buried his talent and nothing happened with it. And that's another story and that's not the point of this story. The point that, that's important for us is that he told those two who invested their talents He said, you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. If you find somebody that's not faithful and diligent in the the few things, the small things of life, don't put them in charge of many things. Don't don't go out there and say, well, I know you're kind of lazy and slacking out here uh, and and just working on the farm, but let's, let's, let's elect you to office. You know, that's what we do, isn't it? Half the time we elect people to office that, that can't take care of their, their own business. See, <clears throat> Joseph, like David, understood that whatever his hand found to do, he needed to do it with all of his, all of his heart and all of his mind. But now I want you to think about this. this <clears throat> we've read here what happened in, in the capital city there in Pharaoh's chambers, in Pharaoh's palace. A problem came up with, with two of Pharaoh's employees and they get put into prison. But, but if, as far as Joseph was concerned, this was just, just another day in prison. We, we know what's developing here. We, we've read it, see. But Joseph didn't know. As far as he's concerned, it's just, just another day in prison. Why? Two more prisoners. Ha! You know, they're pretty highfalutin. I'm here a little poor Hebrew slave and now I've got the chief butler and the chief baker. Let me lord it over them. (laughs) 
Just another day in prison. But, but that's not how Joseph approached this. Joseph was diligent in his daily routine. Notice it said, uh, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. He served them. He did his job. In the small daily things, he, did his, he didn't see this as, oh, this is my meal ticket out of here. He didn't know what was going to happen. He had no idea these dreams were coming. But Joseph was diligent in his daily routine and he was faithful while he was, while he was waiting on God. He was faithful while he was waiting on God. You know, sometimes we get this idea that, well, I'm just going to cross my hands and sit back and wait on God. Pray to God, Lord, you work this out. I'm, I'm over here sitting in my recliner. I'm, I'm waiting on you to get it all done. <laughs> now, I realize there are things that only God can do in our lives, but God never, never teaches patience to us in the, in the way of doing nothing, okay? That's not what he means by patience. In fact, that word patient means keeping on, keeping on. That's what it means. It doesn't mean sitting down over here and doing nothing. Notice the confluence here of God's work and Joseph's faith. Okay? Because God was with Joseph, he was promoted to the charge of all the prisoners. We read about that at the end of chapter 39. That was God's doing, right? That was God blessing him, showing mercy on him specifically is what it says. But also because Joseph was faithful. In doing his duty, he did not shirk his duty when these two new prisoners came in. You see, he wasn't sitting over here in some ivory tower saying, God, just I can't wait for you to bust me out of prison. <laughs> you know, Joseph was faithful even though his life seemed to make no sense. You know, it didn't, it didn't, the, the principle of reaping and sowing wasn't working out too well for. For Joseph right now, right? Not, not in the sense that the prosperity gospel teaches. You give me $1,000, uh, I'll give you, the, there'll be $10,000 coming back to you. You know, name it and claim it, Joseph. Just name it and claim it. Lord, I declare that I'm free. And he opens his eyes and looks around and there's still in the prison, you see. And not only that, maybe he did name and claim it, brother buddy. I don't know. Maybe he said, I name and claim it. And then the Potiphar elevates him. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and the next thing you know, he wakes up back in prison. See, that wasn't working out for him, and that's not the way it works. But by the same token, he did, not, he did not sit down and do nothing. He was continuing to be faithful. And then, because he was being faithful, he was ready. He was ready when the opportunity presented itself. See, Joseph was watching for opportunities to serve God in the midst of his suffering. You know, I, I, I got to admit to you again, I, I know I do all this confessing, but I think, I think, you, I think you get it too. Is it, is it not true with you as it is with me that oftentimes in suffering, I'm looking for a way out. I'm not looking to God. <laughs> I'm just wanting the suffering to end. What can I do? How can I fix this? How can I get out of this? Let me do, maybe a jailbreak. <laughs> you know, maybe it's something, let me, but I'm, oftentimes I don't just wait on God and continue to serve him in the midst of suffering. And some people that throws suffering throws them for a loop. And it is tough. Listen, we all, I, I, I know you. I know what you're going through. You know what I'm going through. We're, we're dealing, all of us, with suffering. 
We got problems. But now's not the time to abandon God, to quit on God, because let me tell you something. He ain't ever quit on you. <laughs> you know, I grant you, I know some of your suffering. And I know my own suffering pretty well. It's pretty intense at times. It's pretty bad. Y'all have experienced many things that I have that I think are worse than some of the things I've experienced. But you know what? Nobody has experienced what Jesus experienced. I don't care if you've lost a child. I don't care if you've suffered from cancer or Parkinson's or, or you, you've got problems in your family. I don't, listen, nobody, nobody has suffered to the degree that Christ did. And he didn't quit on us. He didn't quit on his duty. He went all the way to Calvary. He hung there for as long as it took. He did every single thing necessary to save us from our sins because he loved us. So why should we think it's okay for us to quit on him? <laughs> but sometimes that's what I'm tempted to do. Joseph was watching for opportunities to serve God in the midst of his suffering. Now remember where he was, okay? We just talked about that. You know, look, I ask you, what do they call you? What do they call you when you're the chief prisoner? What do they call you? They call you prisoner, okay? I don't care if you're the chief prisoner, you're still a prisoner. You're still in prison. You may be in charge like he was, but he was still in prison. But yet even in prison, he was watching for opportunities. You remember what Paul said to Timothy? He said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. In other words, you be ready. The word being instant means to be standing by. Be standing by. Be ready. Be, be available. And, 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 and to be, and by the way, in season and out of season is the same Greek word with a different prefix. And, and what I'm what that's important is, why that's important is, is because that tells you they're the right opposite, okay? It, it, it's, it, so in the one, on the one hand, it's in season, it's an appropriate time. At the other hand, it's out of season, it's an inappropriate time as far as the circumstances dictate, but either way, you need to be ready. You gotta be ready, okay? No matter what the circumstances are, you be prepared. First Peter chapter three, verse 14. First Peter 3 and verse 14. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake. Okay, stop right there. Doesn't this apply to Joseph? He's suffering, but he's righteous. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's suffering for righteousness' sake. So this applies to Joseph's very situation as it applies to ours. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. This kind of describes Joseph, doesn't it? We don't see Joseph having terror or being troubled too much. I'm sure he was, but he overcame it. How did he overcame it? overcome it? By verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Isn't this Joseph? Joseph is in the midst of suffering for righteousness sake. That's the reason he's there in the first place. His brothers were jealous of him because God had touched him and his father favored him. And he was doing right and telling on them. 
And they sent him off into bondage. And he said, here's what you do in that situation. You sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And you be ready. You see, I've got to tell you, beloved, there's been probably more opportunities arisen for me to minister to other people while I've been in the midst of suffering than otherwise. There's been more times that I've had an opportunity to give an answer because I've been asked about the hope that lies within me when I'm in the midst of suffering. If I'm suffering and I lose my mind and go crazy and start kicking out the windows and and, and attacking everybody, nobody's really interested in the hope I have within, do they? (laughs) They don't care about that, do they? But if I am handling it by sanctifying God and blessing God and looking to Him, somebody's going to look up and say, you know, He's got something that I want. Some little sheep of God, some little child of God out there is going to say, did you see how Chris handled that problem? Did you see how he suffered and he did it in a way that was impressive and was uh, uh, clearly giving God the glory? I want to know why he was able to do that. You'll have an opportunity, see, to give an answer to that person about why you have that hope. You know, this is kind of, I realize this, bear with me, okay, on this, this example. One of my favorite Christmas shows is How the Grinch Stole Christmas, okay? It's one of my favorite shows, the old cartoon, you know? The Grinch is going to steal Christmas. He's going to take away everything they've got. He's going to break into their homes. He's going to steal their toys. He even, even stole the, the, the Christmas trees, and he, he's going to steal, he, he's got all this stuff that, that, that he's going to keep Christmas from coming, okay? He's going to keep, keep this time of celebration from happening. And he gets all the way up to the top of the mountain, about to, about to drop everything off the edge. And he's listening to hear the crying and the, and the carrying on and the wailing and all this. And all he hears is singing. All he hears is joyful voices lifted up together in song. You know what? That old Grinch said, I need to find out a little bit about what's going on down here. Now, I'm not talking about getting people born again. I'm talking about God's children who are born again out there who don't have what we have in the sense of the assurance of our eternal salvation, don't have the God, don't have the view of God that we have. They don't see God as big as we see God. They need to know about this. And it's in times like this that maybe those kinds of things come to light. And you have an opportunity to give an answer, you see. Notice what he did too. Back in chapter 40. We'll read again. We'll begin in verse 5. Talking about the butler and the baker. They dreamed a dream, both of them. Each man is dreaming one night. Each man according to the interpretation of his dream. The butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. So he comes in and they, they, look, they look sad, okay? <clears throat> now, what would you do if you were in prison and you saw some other prisoner looking sad? I don't know about you, but my first thought would be, I don't want none of his troubles. Mine are are bad enough as they are. But Joseph saw their suffering. And he, he didn't overlook it like everybody else probably would have done. He didn't ignore it and pass on by 
as most people probably would have done, Joseph saw an opportunity here to minister. He saw an opportunity. And notice in verse 7, he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Joseph saw this opportunity and he seized this opportunity. He was ready to help them if he could. And now, instead of ignoring their answers, instead of shrugging his shoulders and, and going on about his business, instead of saying, you know, they, they said to him in verse 8, we've dreamed a dream and there's no interpreter of it. Here's where Joseph could have said, man, I dreamed a dream one time. Look where it got me, you know. Here I am with you. Forget those dreams, you know. Now, he also could have said, he also could have said, man, I'm an expert in dreams. This is an opportunity to solidify my position here in a political way and to be able to elevate myself. Man, tell me your problems. I will give you some help. <laughs> Lay it on because I'm an expert, okay? But you know what he did instead? Instead, he was still willing to look to God for the answers to the questions that have been raised. You know, when he says to us, be ready to give an answer, he's not talking about giving our own personal answer. Well, this worked for me. Well, I know they say this, but this is what I think. Oprah said this. Dr. Phil said that. You see, he wasn't looking to men. He wasn't looking to himself. He said, do not interpretations belong to God? <laughs> well, what a faithful young man. He didn't, he didn't claim the credit and he didn't gloss over their problems. He said, hey, I know a God. I know a God who is big enough to interpret your dreams. I've known him for a long time. He's, he's, he's been with me through every step of the way. Maybe it doesn't look like it, but God has been with me and he is the one who interprets dreams. And he took up his own time in a sacrificial way to help these guys. Because you see, Joseph was waiting on God for help in his own troubles. And he knew God was big enough to help others with their troubles. He knew that being in prison was no hindrance to God. He knew that no matter where he was, God was going to be with him. Has it not always been that way with God's people? Has it, have you read about some of the great saints of, of yore? Paul and Silas singing hymns at midnight. Not, they weren't singing, nobody knows the trouble. No, they were singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Maybe, maybe not that specific song, brother buddy, but something with that theme, okay? And, and, and the walls of the prison began to shake. John Bunyan, the great writer of the Pilgrim's Progress who believed basically just like you and I believe. He began to pin that Pilgrim's Progress in the prison in England instead of despairing while he was languishing there. You see, isn't it always that way with God's people? I, you know, that's why we need to be here today. That's why we need one another. That's why we need the church. That's why we need the preaching of God's Word because I needed to be reminded of this very thing this week. I needed to be reminded about Paul and Silas in prison. 
I needed to be reminded about John Bunyan in an English jail. I needed to be reminded about Joseph this very week, you see. And, and, and quite frankly, I could probably have learned about all this if I'd been studying on my own, but I was studying to prepare to preach for you and to preach for me. <laughs> and it's helped me more than it's helped you. I see, well, we need the kingdom of God for that reason. Boy, I get encouraged when I come here. I get encouraged. Joseph was faithful and he was ready. He was also patient. He was patient. He was waiting. He faced discouragement in prison. Think about it. Wrongfully accused. No, there wasn't any writ of habeas corpus for, for Joseph, was there? There wasn't any place he could go and petition the court and say, hey, deliver me up uh, so that I can present my case. He didn't even get to present a case. We don't read anywhere where Joseph got to cross-examine a witness. Potiphar just came in and said, I, she said it, you're going to jail. That's where you are. Far from home. I mean, I can't, I can't get that off my mind. I don't know how many years have passed now, but we're going to see shortly that when he stands before Pharaoh, he's 30. When he, left, when he was kidnapped and, and taken away, he was 17. So I would suggest that he's probably somewhere in the early to mid-20s right now, okay? Probably been eight or ten years. I, I, no offense to any of you young men out there that are in your 20s or your teens. But you don't have life experience yet to be able to look back and say, you know, I can deal with this. You know, that's one thing God tells us. He says that tribulation work with patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope make it not ashamed. In other words, as you live your life, if you will live it faithfully to God, you will, you will gain experience that you can call upon to look back upon and it'll help you through these, these problems that you're facing now. But these, these young 20-year-olds and teenagers especially don't have that life experience. They've got to listen to mom and dad <laughs> or some older person say, I promise you it's going to be better. Yeah, well, okay. Sure, but it's not getting better for me, you know. But once you get that experience, it's better. But this is not where he was. He had not had that experience yet. But yet he was still faithful and patient. And as we continue reading here, let me just let me just let me just share the rest of this story. I know you know it, but but remember in verse nine. Uh, verse 8, he says, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded. And her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. Now, just briefly skip down to when the baker saw that the interpretation was good in verse 16. He said unto Joseph, here's my dream. And he said, there were three white baskets on my head. Verse 17, in the uppermost basket, there was all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. Now his dream wasn't quite so good, was it? 
Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shall hang thee on a tree and the bird shall eat thy flesh from off of thee. Here we see Joseph truthfully giving them the answers. And then he says this in verse 14 to the butler, okay? He says, here's what's going to happen to you, butler. You're going to be restored to your position before Pharaoh. Verse 14, but think on me when it shall be well with thee and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house for indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews and here also have I done nothing that they should put me in the dungeon. (laughs) One thing that Joseph never did is give up on God's providence. He never did quit so to speak, on God. His reaction to being in prison was not, it's worthless, it's pointless, there's no point in anything, I'm in despair. His reaction was, don't give up. He said, think on me. No doubt here, he, he, he said, you know, I'm, I'm here in prison. You know, some people say, well, God's got me here. I don't know why I'm just going to endure it. Well, God didn't put him there. God protected him there. <laughs> God didn't put him there. We'll talk about that in a minute. But God protected him there, and he wasn't satisfied to stay where he was. Did did you know there are many wayposts along the road of life? There are many detours sometimes. Sometimes it's because I made the wrong decision. Sometimes it's the sufferings that I endure because of somebody else's bad decisions. But whatever it is, we are to endure, and we are to be faithful, but we're not to be satisfied. If, If... Joseph said, you know what? I'm going to serve God while I'm here, but I'm going to trust God to get me somewhere else. And that's what he's doing here. He says, don't forget about me. And he prays to God and he he takes this opportunity here. He didn't settle for where he was. Oh, but look what happens. Verse 20, it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all of his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again and gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Oh, Joseph was spot on. Joseph was exactly right. The baker was was. Uh, executed, but this butler who was delivered, oh man, don't you know he was so thankful to Joseph for telling him this? Don't you know he was so thankful to Joseph for giving him some hope? Don't you know that he's going to try to help Joseph in every way that he can? (laughs) Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. (laughs) Joseph. Discouraged in prison, abandoned by his friend. But you know what? God's not finished yet. Because God is a big God. And as we're going to see as we continue on this route in the coming messages, Joseph didn't give up on God because he knew God was a big God. He didn't... (laughs) You know, why is Joseph where he is? Satan, no doubt, instigated Potiphar's wife to make these false accusations to get him into prison. And I tell you, 
I don't see it explicitly, but I see it implied here. I believe Satan blinded the mind of this butler. <laughs> I believe the butler, either that or his own human nature, blinded the mind to keep him in prison. But, but listen to me, listen to me. The circumstances don't look good for Joseph. We're, you know, I know if you didn't know this story, which I know most of you do, but if anyone out there uh, didn't know this story, you might be thinking, oh, this is going to be great. This is the point where Joseph in this chapter, he's going to go from prison to the palace. No, he's going from prison to the prison. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's gone from prison to, to prison. He's staying in prison, you see. It didn't work out yet. But, but Joseph knew that even though he didn't get instant gratification, his big God was working behind the scenes. He needs a big God because it doesn't look good for him. But remember what happened in verses 1 through 5, how that this butler and baker got sent down to prison and then they had a dream. I believe Joseph took some encouragement from that. I believe he, he was lifted up because if nothing else, that should have showed him that God is working even when we can't see it. God is working even when we can't see it. You know, discouragement is probably the, the one biggest obstacle in my life. If, if there's any other problem I have that's greater, I don't know it. It's usually discouragement. And my family will tell you that. It's, it's when I get down and out. And it's so easy for me to do that. But you know what brings me out of it? I was having a particular problem with that this past week. And I realized I hadn't been in the Word. And I said, you know, I need to be thinking about Sunday. I need to be preparing for Sunday. I got to reading about Joseph. And I got to reading some other scriptures that came to my mind. And I got to looking at it. And you know, I got to thinking about the fact that I don't know what's going to happen in my particular circumstance. But neither did Joseph. I don't know what the end of this particular problem is going to be. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I know that God is working behind the scenes. God is in a providential way taking care of His people wherever they are. And even if I'm never delivered in this life, even if I never become prime minister of Egypt, even if I never get lifted up out of the prison that I'm in, maybe it's a prison of my own making. Maybe it's a prison that others have put around me. But I'll tell you, even if I never get lifted up out of this prison, God is still God. And one day he's going to deliver me out of this life. You know, we always think about how that, what do we, what do we say when somebody dies? Well, he lost the battle. He fought cancer hard, but he lost the battle. He, he just gave up. He's finished, you know. It's over for him. That's what they say, isn't it? Do you know that the day that we die will be the best day of our lives? When you come to my tomb, when, you come to, when, when they lay me prostrate here in front of you, if the Lord tarries, and you, can, you walk down that aisle and maybe do a, view my body, I, I know it's, I, I mean, I hope it'll be sad for you. <laughs> I, I know it'll be sad for, for my family and for, for you. But, uh, but you know what? You don't, have to, you don't have to sorrow as the world does. You don't have to give up hope. 
You can come down here with a smile on your face, even with the tears in your eyes, and say, that old brother Chris, he may have, he may have lost the fight to cancer. Oh, but he won the war through Christ. <laughs> Not because of anything he did, you see. But because of Jesus. You know, that's what they said about Jesus. It's finished. Oh, they probably, probably those that heard him say that say, yep, he's finished. Hey, he had just won the greatest victory that had ever been won in the history of mankind. You see, God is working even when we can't see it. So the lessons here is we bring this to a close. First of all, don't be thrown for a loop by the trials of life. Remember what Joseph did. It's the same thing Peter talked about in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 4. Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse, uh, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Sometimes in my life I've experienced this and I see people all the time and say, I can't believe this is happening. Why not? We don't live, we're not home yet. We, we, don't, we don't live in a world that's friendly to us. You know, Joseph was kidnapped, taken away, but he was delivered. Then he gets put back in prison. You know, it'd be easy for him to say, I can't believe this. Oh my goodness, it's over and over. It's happening to me. Poor, pitiful me. But don't be, don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that when you, uh, you know, when you defeat uh, uh, some disease, some other disease comes along. Or when you, you overcome this obstacle, another one's waiting just around the bend. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange. But rejoice. <laughs> Not because you've got trials, but rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. You see, if, if we're suffering, we're just, there's no different than what Christ endured. I can't believe. These people hate me for no good reason. Well, join the club, you know? The Jesus Club is a whole lot better than the Mickey Mouse Club, okay? The Jesus Club is a club where you have someone in charge who has been through everything you've endured, okay? You, you've experienced nothing that he has not experienced to the nth degree more, you see? There's no club in this world that is greater than being in the family of God. With Christ as your head. That when his glory shall be revealed. Ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. See we can rejoice now. But when his glory is revealed. We're going to have exceeding joy. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever experienced exceeding joy. I know I haven't to this extent. There's been times in my life. And most of those times have been right here in this church. Where I felt the joy of Christ, the joy of the fellowship of God's people, but it's nothing to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us one day. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Now, here's a caution. He says, now let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters, okay? Don't, don't bring it on yourself. He's saying, if you're suffering because of what you've done, now, you know, you're just going to have to endure that and learn a lesson from it. But he says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer. He said, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God on this behalf. See, that's where Joseph was. He didn't know this scripture, but he knew this principle. 
He was fine. He was in the prison, but he knew God was working. So don't be thrown for a loop by the trials of life. And also keep on performing your duty no matter the circumstances. Keep on doing what you're supposed to do for God's kingdom no matter what you're facing in life. Galatians 6 and verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In due season. That's God's timing, not ours. In due season. Keep on keeping on. And look for opportunities to serve others. Remember 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And ultimately, don't place your hopes in men. I believe Joseph was hopeful that the chief butler would remember him. But I don't think he put his hope in the chief butler. Brother Mackey, I believe he put his hope in the God that he served. Because Joseph's God is a big God. And your God, beloved, is the same God. And he is so big, he can overcome all of the trials, all of the troubles. He can be working in the background when you can't even see him. He can be working to overrule the troubles of life when you don't even know it. He can be preparing a deliverance for you that's something you never contemplated in your life. Two, two examples and we'll close. Moses and the Israelites came out of Egypt to the Red Sea. They stood on the banks and they had no vision of what could happen or what might be their deliverance. They had no understanding. I, I don't even know if Moses did. God told Moses, Moses, stand still and see the salvation of God. Is he going to send a Another army to fight for us? Is he going to send some boats that we can get across the Red Sea? No. You know what he's going to do? He's going to send a wind. What? what? A wind? <laughs> What's that got to do with water? The wind is going to blow so hard, it's going to part that sea. And it's going to dry out that bottom. And they're going to walk over on dry land. That's amazing, isn't it? Yes. Let me tell you another story. About a church that got into one member. No hope, right? No hope for it. A lot of people shed a lot of tears for it on behalf of it. Let me tell you a story about a preacher that was looking for a place to preach. Had no idea, no vision for any place like that. Much more interested in a big church with more people that was sort of ready-made Certainly couldn't be this little place. We kind of know the end of that story now, don't we? Put yourself into the story. Ask yourself, how, well, I'll ask you. You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> how many of you 10 years ago said, you know what? I think around Christmas time of 2019, I'm going to be worshiping at Zion Primitive Baptist Church as a member I think we'll just go ahead and get a new building too. How about that? 
Did anybody see the deliverance that God was going to give us in this situation? I didn't. I'm your pastor. I'm supposed to be wise and prescient. I'm supposed to know what's, you know, and I had no clue. I had no idea what was coming. I had no idea. I, I heard the name of Buddy Abernathy. I'd heard him preach a time or two. Never dreamed he'd be one of my best friends and a member of this church. Never dreamed you and you and you and all of you would be my best friends in the world. But guess what? God has a way of delivering in ways we can't anticipate and could never imagine. And he does it in a way that he gets all the glory. Who, who are you going to glorify for this? Uh, me? Me? You? Me? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Listen, I appreciate all that everybody's done. I appreciate all of your participation in this church. I'm thankful for what I get to do for this church, but not one of us can claim credit for where we are today, can we? Just, just give it all, all the glory to God. He is the one that can interpret dreams. And he's the one that can deliver in the midst of discouragement. I'll tell you, I was very discouraged. I was in a place of awful discouragement before God opened the door here. But my God is a big God. And he's able to deliver me just like he delivered Joseph. I appreciate your kind attention this morning. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.